Welcome to the Home Birth After Cesarean podcast. Due to the rate of unnecessary C-sections, the lack of support, and limited options for VBAC moms in the hospital, more and more women are choosing to have their VBAC babies at home. This podcast was created for women to share and listen to stories of home birth after cesarean. I'm your host, Rachel Garrett. Today we have Sophie with us, and Sophie is actually from England. So I'm excited just to be able to have a different perspective because so far we've only had people from the U.S. on the show. So Sophie, do you want to just give us a little bit of an introduction to who you are? Yeah, sure. So um, as you said, I live in the south of England and I had my first child uh, four years ago in 2016, um, which was a cesarean. And then this year I've had a home birth. So that's how I've kind of come to be (laughs) talking to you. So I know one of the things we were chatting about a little bit before we started recording was just what was your perception of the birth culture where you live, both before you had your cesarean and then after? Um, So I guess before my cesarean, a lot of what I'd heard and read and seen was all media based. And so a lot of it was kind of that very stereotypical, um, you give birth on a bed on your back uh, in a lot of pain and to expect lots and lots of pain and that was kind of very similar to my experience first time around um, until obviously I had the cesarean Uh, but then since since the cesarean I kind of educated myself a lot better and I think there's been a definite shift in general education in this country surrounding you know natural birth and and the things that you can do Uh, yourself to make the process a lot easier Uh, for one hypnobirthing has become a lot more popular Um, and I think that that's something that a lot of people uh, they're they're kind of being recommended it on the NHS here on our National Health Service um, which is really helpful Um, but yeah. Awesome yeah that's great. So did you well we can kind of get into this when we get into your home birth story but did you feel like you had a lot of support not only in wanting to have a VBAC but then wanting to have a home birth VBAC? So I had a lot of support from my health provider uh, about having a VBAC that was very much what they wanted for me it was the direction that they were kind of gearing me towards however it was you can have a VBAC if you have one under these circumstances and so they said to me that the the most ideal scenario would be for me to be in a um so I don't know what the alternatives are for hospital deliveries for you guys but for for us over here we have um birth centers which is like midwife led and then the main kind of labor delivery suite which is consultant led uh, so they would like they would prefer a VBAC to be on a consultant led doctor led ward um, no water birth continuous monitoring um, induction if you go if you go kind of over term those are kind of there that's the box that you have to fit into to have a VBAC <laughs> and yeah, I didn't want very, to fit into that <laughs> yeah that's very similar to a lot of I mean I guess in the U.S. there are some places that are more VBAC friendly. Like I know we have some birth centers that would 
allow, I'm doing air quotes, allow a mother yeah. to have yeah. a VBAC at a birth center. But I think across the board, unfortunately, it's very similar to that. Like there's these certain certain circumstances. I know some places would even require you to have an epidural in case there was an emergency C-section that happened after yeah. the, with the trial of labor, things like that. So I think that uh -huh. there are definitely some similarities with that, which is unfortunate. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's too bad there aren't more. I think definitely. That was another thing that they had said to me was that they would prefer that, you know, as soon as I arrived in labor, they would put a cannula in just in case. And it's having that mindset, you're not going to get into the zone that you need to be in to have a, a calm birth if you're if you're thinking, oh well I've got this cannula in my hand ready to go because any minute now they're just going to come over and tell me, nope, it's time for a cesarean. And exactly. It's almost you're not trusting the process then like you're you're not no, you're, you're not setting yourself up to, to have a similar experience to the first time exactly well if you want to take us back to that first pregnancy and birth wherever you want to start with that yeah sure uh so um my first pregnancy 2016 um i did a little bit of preparation for birth. I did what we have over here is NCT classes, um, which is just kind of like just general uh, education about birth and the things that you can do to prepare yourself for birth and pain relief and breastfeeding all kind of summed up into one. Um, to be honest, the, the only real thing I got out of that class was some good friends. The education was, it was very much just things that I already knew. Uh, was that a, just... a hospital-based program? No. So that was actually um, something private that you can pay to do extra. I think that the hospital did do their own version of kind of antenatal classes. Um, but because we'd already opted to do the NCT ones, we didn't do those as well. So I'm not I'm not kind of sure what those cover. But yeah, so um, the NCT ones, I mean, it, it was good. It was interesting. But it was just largely going over things that we already knew. Uh, which was kind of good in a way because we felt really prepared we felt like we already knew what all of our options were in terms of pain relief and you know um promoting that upright forward and open birth position to try not to be on a bed and and those kinds of things um so yeah so when i went into labor i i kind of i was very keen as first time mums often are to you know get things moving as quickly as possible um so I opted to have a stretch and sweep I don't know if do you have those I guess that kind like of thing. A membrane sweep. over there but, mm -hmm. yes yeah exactly that mm -hmm. so I had that on my due date um and then about three or four hours later uh, I started having contractions and that was kind of the start of my very very slow early latent labor <laughs> um so those contractions they came slow at first but I think throughout that first night um they then kind of got quickly got to that sort of three in ten and quite intense in my back um and that lasted for two days um before we kind of thought this is getting silly now nothing's progressing and so we went to the hospital um they said I was at kind of two to three centimeters um nothing really further happening so they sent us home um and then it just kind of carried on like that and we just ended up going back because I was so exhausted because I'd not really slept or or had much rest or anything like that um so went back into the hospital um again no progress 
Uh, and so each time I'd been in, I'd been going into the birth centre because I was first time mum. I had no kind of risk factors or anything like that. Um, however, when it got to this point where it had been a few days and I hadn't progressed, they decided that they wanted to move me over to the labour ward, um, which was frustrating at the time, I think, because I was really keen to stay in the birth centre. It was very relaxed there. It was a much nicer environment. But hey, ho! Um, so we moved over to there, um, at which point my waters went. Uh, whilst I was there and I had um, another assessment to see how far dilated I was and I was about five centimeters and the midwife seemed really confident she was like that's great I think we can send you back to the birth center so our, our birth center is attached so it's literally just a corridor away um, so I went back over to the birth center where things slowed down again and I was reassessed a couple of hours later and apparently back at two centimeters which I didn't know that that was something that could happen but apparently you can kind of go backwards obviously I suppose different midwives hands are measuring things slightly differently anyway um and at this point they started to get a bit concerned because my heart rate wouldn't come down um it was kind of difficult to tell from their monitoring belts whether they were looking at my heart rate or in or the babies because mine was kind of matching the babies um so they were concerned that there might be possible signs of an infection um, so they asked if I wanted to kind of carry on and see how things went. So we carried on for another, I don't know, probably another eight hours after that. Um, and then I was still at two to three centimetres. <laughs> and so at that point, they decided uh, to take me for a cesarean. Was there like a conversation around moving? Yeah, so, yeah, so I think it had been brought up a couple of times before that point but I was obviously really keen not to go down that road if I had if I had an option but because I wasn't dilating there wasn't really much other choice much other I mean they said I could have perhaps gone on the hormone drip but by this point it was kind of four days in and I was just I had absolutely nothing left and the prospect of going on the hormone drip then and and you know, people often say to you, um, if you are induced by the hormone drip, you get contractions kind of come really hot and heavy. And the, the prospect of that when I was exor- already exhausted, I just I said, no, I don't want to do that and then end up having a cesarean anyway. I'd rather just let's just get the baby out. How did the whole cesarean itself go in that immediate postpartum time? Um, so the cesarean was thankfully um, went really smoothly, uh, no complications, um, really quick. Uh, the anaesthetist was fantastic, keeping me calm. Um, I didn't really feel like I could have that. Um, so they brought the baby over to kind of sit on my, right up here on my chest um, as soon as he was born. But I didn't really feel confident holding him because I was so shaky, I guess, and tired and all of the drugs and everything like that. So my husband held him for a while. Um, and then as soon as they, they'd they stitched me up, they wheeled us into a, a separate room and I had skin to skin for ages, which was lovely. Um, and yeah, so that that part was great. Um, but then when they did my son's initial bloods, it showed signs of an infection. So we both had picked up some kind of infection throughout probably all the multiple um, examinations that I'd had. I, that's what they kind of ascertained it must have been from. 
Um, so we both had to go on intravenous antibiotics, which was fine for me, but not nice watching my son go through that. Um, obviously, there's millions of worse things that could have happened, but it still wasn't wasn't pleasant. Um, and it meant we had to stay in the hospital for, I think, five or six days. Yeah, five days, I think it was, um, before we could go home, which, again, there are far worse things to have happened. But it was just a shame that we kind of missed out on that bit of paternity leave with my husband and yeah just being in hospital is not nice is it <laughs> right and you don't I mean you don't get good sleep in a hospital you have people no. <laughs> coming in and out all the time and those little interruptions so yeah that's definitely one thing I would say though is um that was good about being in the hospital was I had the benefit of seeing probably 10 or 15 different midwives over the course of that five days um and thanks to that I was able to um, established breastfeeding really well um, by just by drawing on various different people's experiences and opinions and getting people to help me in different ways because I was really keen to breastfeed um, so I was lucky that 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 happened in a way. So then was VBAC on your mind at all was that something like did you know you wanted more children? So after the birth I would say um Obviously, I had a great outcome. My son was fine. Everything was fine. But after the birth, I would say I struggled a lot emotionally with what happened. Um, and I did not want any more children because of that. It took me a good 18 months to kind of come to terms with it and think, oh, actually, maybe I would like to have another one. I kind of always assumed that if I did have another one, or I definitely just have an elective cesarean. I don't want to go through that experience again. I really struggled, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but when I did fall pregnant, I just felt completely differently. Um, I didn't see it coming. If you'd have said to me seven months ago, you're going to have a home birth, I would never have, you know, I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> I would have laughed. But uh, yeah, so um, it very quickly became apparent to me that I definitely wanted a VBAC. Um, and then I had to kind of find out what my options were as far as what the hospital would, as you say, allow in quote marks um, and what I wanted. With processing through your first birth, was there anything that you did that really helped you through that time? So I tried something to help, uh, which was a, um, a service that they offer here through the NHS, which is a birth afterthoughts. So if you've had um, trouble kind of coming to terms with your birth or, or a difficult experience, um, they offer you the opportunity to sit down with a consultant midwife and go through your birth notes and to try and just piece together what happened. Because obviously in the heat of the moment, you don't, I mean, I struggled a lot to remember anything that happened. I had to get my husband to tell me because I just, I think I blocked it out, to be honest. Um, so I hoped that that would help me, but honestly, I just found it harder after speaking through it all. It then dredged everything up and it made me feel quite emotional um, and it made me feel like I'd failed, I suppose, in a way. Um, and I know a lot of a lot of mums who have had that experience feel that way that I've spoken to. Um, so that kind of put me on the back foot a little bit. Um, but then I looked into hypnobirthing, as I said before, and I think that's what really helped me visualize and be able to see, actually, no, this is 100 percent what my body was built to do. Just because it didn't work out 
the first time, it doesn't have any bearing on how it's going to work out this time. Um, so yeah, hypnobirthing is is the one thing that really helped me. And that's definitely what steered me in the direction of a home birth. Yeah, that was going to be my next question is how, how did you decide on having a home birth versus doing a VBAC at the hospital? Mm-hmm. So um, I knew that my option for having a VBAC at the hospital was in the same area where I'd had my cesarean, the same, the same kind of few rooms where I'd been stuck in that horrible days of labor and struggling and I I knew that kind of being in that area was just it was never going to be conducive to a good environment for me um and also being constantly monitored not being able to use a pool if I wanted to all of those things it just didn't seem appealing um so I, that's when I decided to start doing the hypnobirthing um and we did we did like an online hypnobirthing pack I don't know if you've heard of it it's called the positive birth company um and it was just a few of the statistics that they were talking about in there about um kind of home births and how having a baby at home was statistically one of the safest places to be and I don't know just a few things that were said made me look into it a bit more um and made me think about okay well what things from home can I bring into the hospital to make it a better environment for me and then from there, I gradually went and decided, actually, I don't want to bring my home into the hospital. I just want to be at home um, and suggested it to my husband who looked at me like I was completely insane. Um, but I got him to watch that part of the hypnobirthing pack um, with me that evening. And I think it was about 20 minutes long, this section. And he just looked at me afterwards and he was like, OK, I get it. Let's do it. Let's go for it. That's great to have. I know that, I mean, support is huge in any type of preparation for birth, but especially a VBAC and especially a home birth. So that's awesome that he was supportive of that after kind of realizing the same things that you did. Definitely. I, I was I was surprised by it because I knew his initial reaction would be, you are crazy. But I didn't I didn't expect him to get on board so quickly, but he did and I'm glad that he did. Was that towards the beginning of your pregnancy or where within your pregnancy? Uh, I think I was about 28 weeks around then when we decided uh, to go for it. So yeah, kind of middle, middle onwards. Had you been doing prenatal care with the hospital up until that point then? Yeah. So uh, just midwife appointments, um, which had been, I think due to COVID, it was just kind of few and far between on the phone or, and, and then the occasional appointment where they do your measurements and kind of listening to baby and and that was it really um so they had put me on to be consultant led um which had meant two consultant appointments throughout my pregnancy at the hospital so the first one had been before I'd considered a home birth so they just gone through um that kind of hospital environment continuous monitoring uh, no water birth they just explained that those were my options and they'd given me kind of a list of statistics about what my chances of achieving a VBAC would be um, which to be honest I didn't really find them particularly inspiring they were I don't know I mean they were definitely keen for me to have a VBAC rather than have an elective cesarean which is obviously good because that was what I wanted um, but yeah uh, they weren't inspiring <laughs> um, yeah, but then like my second I was going to say, it's like we 
we want you to have this VBAC, but we're going to put all of these obstacles in the way so that you can't do this, this, and this. And then we're going to tell you that your statistic of having a VBAC is like less than 60% or 50% or something like that. It doesn't really add up to be a good supportive environment in the end. No, definitely not. Um, So, and then I had a second consultant appointment, which was after I decided to have a, a home birth. And that was horrendous. Uh, I was expecting it to be difficult because I knew that obviously by choosing to have a home birth, I was essentially going against their advice, what they'd wanted for me. Um, Before choosing the home birth, sorry, just to go back slightly. So before deciding for definite on the home birth, I'd had quite a few conversations to see if there was any way that I would be allowed to have a VBAC in the birth centre because it is a lot more relaxing it's a lot more homely and just just a nicer environment a lot calmer Um, and because it is attached only a corridor away I kind of didn't really understand why I wouldn't be allowed to do that it didn't make any sense to me but yeah so it was a definite no on that front it was okay and and they even said to me you know your only other option would be a home birth um, which we would and their words were we would have to support you um, but it wouldn't be something we would choose for you um, so yeah so the consultant appointment when I uh, explained about having a home birth wasn't ideal I knew that they weren't going to be supportive but the consultant that I saw just basically gave me an out of context scaremongering story about a lady who had experienced um, uh, her scar opening during labour and how they'd had kind of minutes to get the baby out and that was in a hospital setting so you can imagine how different it would have been if she'd have been at home etc etc and it just you know there was no context with it and it was really unnecessary but I, as I said I was expecting for them to not be supportive <laughs> luckily I had a very supportive midwife and she was brilliant at uh, keeping me keeping my feet on the ground and keeping me ready for it. So when did you start seeing that midwife then? Uh, So that was just my NHS midwife that I'd been seeing throughout my whole pregnancy. So um, over here, when you switch to a home birth, um, I think it had recently changed, but basically you see the same community midwives and then the midwife that could come out to your home birth will just be whichever community midwife is on call that day. Um, which is cool so that could it could have even been my midwife uh, who I'd been seeing through my appointments which would have been lovely it wasn't but it didn't really matter they were they were wonderful midwives that did come yeah so the only thing that changed was that my last appointment I say my last appointment it wasn't my last appointment it was my my appointment where I I went over my birth plan um, was at home so that she could do a, a, a little assessment just to be sure that everything was kind of how it needed to be for the home birth so just to clarify then, so that the midwife that you were seeing was through the birth center? Uh, yeah, so um, what happens over here is once you realize you're pregnant, you refer yourself to the midwife, the community midwife team, and then you're assigned a midwife who you meet either at the doctor's surgery, the hospital or children's center, whichever's closest to your house. Um, and then you just keep meeting that same midwife back and forth until you go into labor. So it was just that same midwife that I've been seeing kind of from the start. That's cool. So then they do yeah. they do home birth and 
the birth center births then? Uh, yeah, so um, it's a bit confusing in the area that I'm in. So basically I've got a birth center that is not attached to a consultant unit um, close to my house. So all of the midwives that um, work in my community are attached to that birth center. But if I was to go to hospital to have the baby, I would be going to a different town uh, because I'd have to go to a consultant led one rather than the like the standalone birth center, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure I was understanding all of that correctly. Okay. well, take us to, I guess, leading up to your labor and and birth with your second child then. Okay. yeah. So. One thing that I'd been kind of really concerned about for this time around was that really long latent phase that I'd had with my first because it was just so exhausting, so, yeah, so hard to get through. Um, So it was something that I'd been like looking into in terms of, oh, yeah, so uh, with my first, I had really horrendous back to back labour, which is why I think I struggled so badly with pain. Whereas this time around, I had kind of done quite a bit of research into um, things that you can do to like open your pelvis and um, be able to move baby around during labor if need be, um, spinning babies, that kind of thing. Um, So I'd done a lot of those exercises in preparation for my labor. Every day I'd been doing various forward leaning inversions and bits and bobs like that just to kind of (laughs) safeguard myself. But anyway, kind of worrying about that long latent phase of labor, I'd had a lot of midwives say to me, don't worry about it. You know, you've done that the first time around. Chances are your body will not do that again. Obviously, it will definitely still happen to some mums, I'm sure. But uh, I was very lucky this time around, but I didn't get that. So I started having contractions about half past three in the morning. um, And by half past four, they were three and ten pretty intense um so I think about how far along were you at that point uh so I was two days past my due date so 40 weeks plus two yeah uh, so about half past five in the morning I think it was so after about two hours my husband rang the home birth midwife team just to kind of say you know this is what's going on fully expecting them to say okay call us back in an hour see how she's doing uh but surprisingly they sent a midwife out um and she came over and and was just chatting to me kind of in between contractions um and then a second midwife arrived not long after um I had kind of said to myself that I didn't want to have any vaginal examinations because the first time around, I found it really demoralizing to continually be told, you're two centimeters, you're two centimeters, you're no further along. And I just thought, do you know what, if I'm if I'm on a high, if I've got good morale, I really don't want that bringing me down. Um, but I was struggling with the intensity of the contractions. Um, it was completely different to the contractions with my first labor, completely different uh, in a good way. It was more manageable, but it was far more intense than I'd experienced before um so I did consent to an examination in the end so um I had an examination done whilst my husband took our eldest son to my mum's house she lives a couple of roads away so it was nice and quick for him to just pop her pop him over there 
Um, so I had an examination done where they said I was three centimetres, which I was dreading. But to be honest, if everything was so intense that I didn't actually have time to even let that get me down. I was far too busy having contractions and, and being upright and concentrating on all the things that I'd been training myself to do. Um, and yeah, so it was great because I kind of laboured all around my house, kind of walking around, holding on to various things and just being being where I wanted to be in my own space, which was lush. Um, and when my husband got back, he kind of set about trying to get the birth pool filled up, which was cool. Uh, at first, we had a bit of an issue with the um, attachment for the sink. It kept blowing off every time we turned the water on. So that was a bit of a disaster because I thought, oh, I'm never going to get in there. But luckily, they got it sorted. And yeah, so once I got into the pool, um, it felt a lot more manageable. I kind of calmed down a little bit. But once I did get in, I started having kind of involuntary urges to push, even though it was kind of too early for that. So with every contraction, I was really, really struggling. I had to kind of just go with it and push because that's what my body was trying to do. Um, and I, I really couldn't stop it. Um, so I had another check at that point. Um, and I was, I think, something like seven centimetres. And um, my waters, they said my waters were kind of really, really bulging. So I think that's where the urge to push was coming from. <laughs> so got back in the pool um, and a few contractions after that. I was still doing this pushing because I just couldn't stop myself and I pushed really hard and my waters like burst into the pool, which was the biggest feeling of relief ever. Um, and I think up until that point, for some reason, I'd had it in my head that one way or another that this was going to still end in a, sec a section in hospital. And when my waters went, I just thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to do this. This is going to happen at home how I want it to. So that kind of gave me quite a boost to get through the next bit and then yeah just carried on laboring in the pool um and eventually started to properly push um and the midwife was having trouble kind of seeing what was going on because she didn't have one of those uh we didn't have like a small mirror we didn't have anything smaller than like a giant mirror so it wasn't possible for her to see and yeah, so she wanted me to get out so that she could have a little look to see what was going on. But as soon as she said that, I could feel the baby move further down. Um, so I just started pushing a bit harder and, and we eventually started to get, get to the point where he was crowning. Um, and despite all of this um, upright, forward and open that I've been trying to do, I just couldn't seem to push him out that way. It just, I couldn't feel him moving down further. So I got my husband to grab, uh, we've got like a little stepping stool for my son that he uses to brush his teeth. So I got my husband to grab that and we put it in the pool and I sat on that leaning back um, and yeah, managed to push his head out that way. So his head was born under the water, um, but the midwife noticed that he had his hand up by his face, kind of covering his ear and his forehead so that kind of explained why it had been a bit of a struggle to get him out in the position that I was in so at that point she asked me to stand up um so that she could help me kind of guide him out um because we needed to get him out a bit a bit faster uh so I stood up with one leg on the edge of the birth pool um and birthed him kind of standing up and then picked him up and pulled him up to my chest which was just amazing such a good feeling 
Um, and yeah, that was that. <laughs> That's wonderful. So different. And I, I love that you touched on that up until your waters broke, kind of in the back of your head, you were thinking like, oh, this is going to end the same. Do you, Definitely. do you think that that like had an impact on your birth at all or that like that that changed anything for you? I don't know, but I genuinely think that that, that thought was completely, it was subconscious. I had no idea that I felt that way until, until I said to myself, oh my God, I'm going to do this at home. Until I said that to myself, I just thought I, I, I didn't know that I'd kind of been holding that back underneath it all. Um, and I think, yeah, maybe it had held me back a little bit in the labour because, you know, everything was so intense and I'd been feeling that urge to push for so long. I think maybe something was holding me back. But um, yeah, as soon as we got to that point, it felt very real and, and it felt great. It really did. So how long was that labor from that? Oh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't explain that very well, did I? (laughs) So first first contraction was about 3.30 in the morning, and he was born at exactly 10 o'clock the next morning, or that that morning, so about about six and a half, seven hours. So a lot quicker than your first one. (laughs) A lot quicker. (laughs) About three days quicker. (laughs) Great. (laughs) So then how, tell us about... Tell us about that immediate postpartum time. So you you help catch your son and he bring him right to your chest. Yeah, you, so I had him brought him right up. And then um, my husband kind of just completely supported my weight so that I could kind of waddle back down onto my little stool that I'd been sat on um, and then back into the pool, um, which was lush because it was all, all warm and nice. Um, and yeah, so that was an amazing feeling and luckily one of the midwives had been kind of snapping away pictures because it was very calm there was no you know stress or any panic like my first birth it was just everything was completely calm and yeah so we've got lots of lovely photos of of those kind of first few moments um which is really special my husband wasn't fussed by um cutting the cord so we we had some delayed board laid cord time so before we cut it uh, but obviously because I was in the water they didn't want to leave me in too long because I'd had a I'd had a, a postpartum hemorrhage the first time around so there was kind of concern that that may happen again but it didn't um, so we had I think probably about 10 minutes I think in the pool before I cut the cord yeah so my husband wasn't fast on cutting the cord so I cut it whilst I was holding the baby which was lovely that was a really nice feeling and then my husband had some skin to skin time whilst I hobbled out of the pool. <laughs> and then from there, um, I went and led on my sofa, which was very surreal. It was all very unusual just being at home for this this period of time. It was amazing. Um, so I went and led on my sofa um, and had gave the baby a little feed whilst they were uh, checking to see if I needed stitches. So unfortunately, I did have a second degree tear um, that needed stitching and the midwife wasn't confident that she could stitch it at home. Uh, so they they have kind of like levels of what they're happy to do at home versus when they think actually you need to be in a theatre. So she wasn't confident she could do it at home. So she said that they would need to transfer me in via ambulance to the hospital to be stitched up. 
at that point, to be honest, I was so elated that I'd been able to birth at home that I really couldn't have cared less as long as I wasn't separated from the baby. Um, I didn't mind at all. Obviously, because of COVID, my husband wouldn't have been able to come with us. So I wasn't keen on that, but at least they said that I wouldn't have to be separated from the baby. Um, but luckily, when they rang to transfer me through, the midwife that they spoke to um, was one that I had spoken to throughout my pregnancy, um, who had also had a home feedback. Um, and she was really keen for me to not have to come in. And so instead of transferring me, she sent out um, a more senior midwife to come and stitch me up at home, which was amazing. Uh, so they, she came with her big kind of head torch and uh, <laughs> extra large flashlight and they stitched me up on the, on the floor of the kitchen, uh, which was again, very surreal with uh, lots of gas and air. <laughs> um, and yeah. And that was it, really. Once that was done and all the baby checks were done, the midwives left. And, yeah, I was just upstairs in bed with the baby. It was incredible. Do you remember about the birth of your placenta? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. So um, just before I got out of the pool, um, I, I did have the uh, injection to bring that on. I can't remember what they call it now. Um, like a Pitocin yeah, so, shot? Something. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, and I literally just kind of stood up and it just kind of plopped out, to be honest. It was a great feeling, really uh, smooth and warm and just like a lovely feeling. Um, and apparently I had an enormous placenta, uh, which makes sense. My baby was quite big. How so, big was he? Yeah, he was nine pounds two. Okay. How big was so he? I didn't, I didn't love it in kilos. So nine four my first was, so very similar. So then tell us a little bit about just like the first couple of weeks or first couple of months postpartum with your second son, especially compared to your first son? Okay, uh, so it's completely different. I mean, uh, so first time around, I felt like a patient. I felt like I felt like I'd had I did have major surgery and I felt like I'd had major surgery um, and everything was a struggle. You know, that first week in the hospital, even just reaching to get my son out of his crib I ended up not putting him in there because I had to keep asking nurses and midwives to help me get him out and I just thought this is ridiculous so I would just sit with him on my chest all the time um versus this second time around um I was I mean out for a walk with my elder son the same day and you know it was like nothing it was like nothing had changed it was like one day I was pregnant and then the next day a baby was there and there was no obviously I was sore from the stitches but I mean the amount of kind of numbing that they had been able to give me for that I didn't really feel the pain of it for a few days anyway um and I think I was on such a high from the birth absolutely nothing was bringing me down at that point it was um yeah I mean polar opposite experiences this time around I, I didn't I never even stepped foot in the hospital last time around it was five days plus the labor so over a week <laughs> just so different um breastfeeding ironically uh was difficult the first time around in that I struggled to get my son to latch and so I ended up using nipple shields and I used them with my first son for the entirety of our breastfeeding journey. So I used them for nearly two years. 
Whereas this time around, I was really keen not to use them. However, using them the first time around had kind of shielded my nipples from that excruciating pain that you can often get with feeding the first few weeks. So the first few weeks this time around, I really struggled with the pain. It was difficult, but we got through it and now it's easy as anything. So I'm glad. (laughs) That's just so cool to hear just how different it can be. And when you were talking about like that feeling of being elated and it's almost like you're on a high, I mean, the cocktail of hormones that your body is producing after a physiological birth, like you had with your second, that whole mixture of hormones gets completely interrupted and changed when you have to go through something like a cesarean birth and the surgery and all of those extra people and interventions and things like that. So that totally makes sense why you felt completely different after the birth of your second. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, first time around, it's, you've got, you definitely have that feeling at the back of your head of kind of failure and, you know, why didn't it work out how I wanted it to go? And as I said, I'd done those NCT classes the first time around and we'd made some really nice friends. There was a group of about six of us pregnant women And all of the other women had had beautiful, natural births. And I was the only one who'd had the cesarean. And I just felt so, I just, I couldn't relate to any conversation that they were having. And I just felt alone, completely alone in that. And now that I've had this home birth experience, I just completely understand everything that they were talking about. And I feel so proud of myself for not that it was my fault the first time around but I feel proud of myself for doing it this time um and that it happened the way it did was was brilliant for moms who are maybe considering having a home birth after having had a cesarean is there anything that you would want to tell them or any advice that you would have for them yeah definitely I think one of the key things that helped me plan my home birth was being really confident in knowing the risks knowing the statistics um there's so much information available out there but one of the things that I remember that really helped me was uh, something that my midwife kept saying was that that risk so the biggest risk that they always talk about with a VBAC is obviously uterine rupture and it's especially if you've only had one cesarean, it's a really small risk. It's really unlikely to happen. Obviously that the outcome, if it does happen, is horrific, but it's a very small chance. And not only is it a small chance, there are a lot of early early warning signs. And my midwife was really clear with me that any midwife attending a home VBAC will be on high alert for these kind of warning signs. And there will be a low threshold for sending you straight into hospital if they think that this is likely to happen. And I think that that's what you've got to do is just have an open mind and think to yourself, if there are any of these warning signs, I'm just going to go straight to hospital and I'll have my birth there and it will still be fine. But, you know, don't let it put you off because it's such a low chance of that happening and they know what to do. They know what to look out for. So don't let it put you off because it nearly put me off when I first looked into it. And then, yeah, learning all the facts and figures and and 
and the, the early warning signs like scar pain and, and things like that it just filled me with a bit more confidence and and helped me stick with my choice information is power right once you Definitely. have all of that information and you can decide what you want to do with it. And if that feels good for you, then that's great. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. And, and the fact that having had a cesarean, it doesn't, it doesn't make your body any less able to have a natural birth. It has no bearing. So, you know, you've got every much a chance of having a natural birth as a first time mum would. So why not go for it? <laughs> exactly. That's a great perspective to put it in. Well, thank you so much for sharing your stories with us. I appreciate it. No worries. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Home Birth After Cesarean podcast. Make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you're interested in sharing your home birth after cesarean story, send us an email at hbacpodcast at gmail.com. See you next week.